0: Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean Jacques Taylor, were two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 360, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to dazzle and entertain you with here on this version. We've got all sorts of little tidbits of Cowboys news that has happened in the last couple of days. Got some stuff to throw out and around the block. The Mavs pissing Jacques off, and, and he's all angry about it, so... Man, we're going to get into all that. And we start off by telling you, as we always do, by Greening Law. Robert Greening and his team, the green team at Greening Law, again, and I know many of you like, every time I get it, we call Greening Law. Do you get it, though? So you think you get it. And then one day you're driving home and a car runs a red light and smashes into you and you're all dazed. Next thing you know, you got to go to the hospital for something that wasn't even your fault. and You're getting a brain scan and x-rays all over your body. You're like, what the heck? I don't know what to do. And then you, you forget. That's why we tell you about Greening Law, because what you do is you call Greening Law. See if you've got a case, because if you've been hurt in a car accident, injured on the premises of a business, they're a personal injury lawyer. So they handle all that stuff behind the scenes, all that crap that I don't know anybody else who knows how to handle it, so that you can focus on getting back to the way that you were before your accident. Let Robert Greening take control.
1: No, that's what you should do. No doubt about it. Let the green team take control of your situation. And you do that by picking up the phone. If you're involved in some kind of incident, man, um, that's away from your house. It doesn't matter. Business, apartment complex, wherever. If you're not at home and something happens to you and you're hurt, you need to pick up the phone and let the green team handle it. 972-934-8900. Because here's the deal. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you never, ever have to wonder, hey, they're so successful. They got a lot of clients. Are they really paying attention to me? Heck, yes, they are. Because they take everybody, care with everybody. They walk you through the process. And Matt will tell you,
0: they do things that they answer questions
1: that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked.
0: That's very true. They, they do all of that type of stuff. It's, they're, they're incredible. And and I had a great experience working with them. So if you think you've got a case, give them a call. Free consultation, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So these Dallas Cowboys are making, well, already the big moves are done. I don't think you're going to see, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe we're waiting until the draft. It feels like all the heavy lifting, and I say that in a sense of the Brandon Cooks move on offense, the on Gilmore move on defense that really kind of moves the needle for a lot of us. Seems like that might be a little bit different, but you look at some of the other things that they have done in the last couple of days, and one of those that sticks out would be Dante Fowler Jr. who has re-signed with the Cowboys for one year again he was a piece of that defense a cog that Dan Quinn wanted to bring back and they were able to work that out so that's fantastic the other two things are guys that were on other teams last year and yes they are the typical bargain basement one-year deal Cowboys doing what they do one of them is an offensive lineman by the name of Chuma Adoga They signed him to a one-year deal, taking him away from Atlanta. He's a former third-round pick in the 2019 draft, originally by the New York Jets. But he's out of USC, played one year in Atlanta, mainly a tackle. He never played guard with the Jets. But last year, all he did was play guard for the Falcons. But he only appeared in two games and started one. So this is an interesting one because this is one of those guys... Cheap deal. They see something in him. If it works, cool. If not, whatever. He's played four years in the NFL and in four years of the NFL. So keep in mind, that is what? 65 possible games. He has only appeared in 26. Mm,
1: That's not very many, bro.
0: No, but you got to have those dudes on your roster, especially on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, uh, it doesn't bother me,
0: frankly, that he hadn't played all that
1: much, Uh But what I like about it is it's a depth move. Obviously, he's a guy who's got versatility in guard and tackle, um, and that's what you're looking for. And it just means that now, again, you get yourself flexibility to draft. You don't necessarily feel like we gotta draft somebody because there's a glaring hole there that we gotta fill. And to me, it's always about, man, getting your best 53. And so if he ends up being the 51st player on the roster, but he's better than the guy you had pegged for the 51st player, You're good.
0: Yeah, that's basically kind of how it works. So, you know, there's always these guys. I mean, every week in in the NFL, and and this is no different with the Dallas Cowboys, you look across and you go, okay, well, who are the inactives? And there's always like an, an offensive lineman who's inactive. And then there's always an offensive lineman who's active that you never see because the hope is you never have to use them. Bro, ain't that the truth? Although, you know that you will.
1: I mean, hell, we all know. My man Ty, Tyron uh, Smith is not playing more than, uh, you know, 13 games this year.
0: Yeah, and, and so I, I think that that's probably what it is, like more so than anything else. It's just that insurance policy. A guy who's played tackle has played guard. You're not bringing him in to at all be a, I don't even think a swing tackle. It's just offensive line depth. Like, hey, we had an injury. You played a game last year. You've been in the NFL. You know what it is. We need you for a week. And then you're going back to being an actor for the next five weeks because this dude tweaked his whatever and is going to miss this week. That's that kind of signing. The other one, and this is a name that many people around DFW probably are familiar with. They have signed a running back. A one-year deal for Ronald Jones, who some of you may remember. He originally was from McKinney North, where he played his high school ball. He then went and did his college out at USC. He was a second round pick in 2018 by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of USC. He was okay in his 4 years there. I don't think he was ever quite what they wanted him to become. I remember in fantasy when he was always that guy for a couple of years in Tampa where you'd be like, "Oh, watch out Ronald Jones, you know, they've got him now and that might be the next guy." And he never really became that. He played last year in Kansas City, but last year for the Chiefs, he only appeared in 6 games. He was inactive the vast majority of the season. Because he doesn't play special teams.
1: Yeah. That's a problem. Um, You know, and um, I'm not sure he still... Check this out, bro. Yes, they signed him. He's got no guaranteed money. I think he... Well, I think he's got $150,000 guaranteed. They gave him $150,000 signing bonus. What I'm saying is, I don't think he's necessarily going to be on the roster when the season starts. He might be, but... It wouldn't shock me if he wasn't, and here's why. I expect him to take a running back in the draft. Yeah. So that gives you that running back. That gives you Pollard. That gives you Malik Davis. That gives you Rico Dowdle. And that gives you uh, Ronald Jones. And so, you know, if he doesn't really uh, do the damn thing, you know, I, I could see him getting cut.
0: Man, there's really – I mean, again, there's no big deal here with Ronald Jones. Right. I mean, that's right, the right. thing. It's the one-year deal. There's – it's – it's super cheap. If he comes in and does something for you that you have no expectation of him doing awesome, then again, as we've seen the Cowboys from time to time, they get these one year deal guys. And it turns out, I mean, he's 26 years old when the season starts. He did in 2020 go 978 yards and averaged 5.1 yards per carry with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But then, like I said, he just, he never, for whatever reason, he just never could become what I think the Bucks thought he was going to be. And he, he would show flashes like in that 2020 season, but he just never had any consistency. You know, once Fournette came in and Fournette became the guy and then they drafted Rashad White, who's going to be the guy this year. And he just kind of was the odd man out, I think. And then obviously in Kansas City, you go there and they got Clyde Edwards-Hilar and then they've got uh, that Pacheco kid who just exploded on the scene this year. And then it's, oh, well, you don't play special teams. You're really our third string guy. Well, we're not going to activate you if you don't play special teams. And these other two guys can do both for us.
1: No, you know, he's already this is season number six for him, bro. Yeah. Um, He's never had more than 978 yards. and He did that his third year in Tampa. Um, He's a terrific athlete. Uh, Just has not seemed to click for him, man. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, we typically say about guys who he's about to be on his third team in three years which means uh, he's pretty much headed for
0: the door. Yeah, I would think so. so Especially because he doesn't play special but maybe he'll shock and surprise us. Maybe he will. Shock and surprise. That's what the Cowboys signings are all about, right? Shock and surprise. So the other thing with the Dallas Cowboys is Tony Pollard did cite his tag, which I always think when you see things like this and it's reported, ah, oh, Tony Pollard signed his tag, is like, oh, obviously. <laughs> of course, Tony Pollard's not going to turn down 10 whatever million dollars it was which is more money than he's made in his career guaranteed in one year. So he is, he did. And now the Cowboys, if they so choose, can work on a long-term deal if they want, or they, which I, if I'm them, I just let Tony Pollard, and we've talked about this. I hope I draft a running back this year that can come in and that we feel comfortable moving on to unless Tony Pollard does something just unbelievable again this year, then if you want, you could tag him and keep him around again in 2024. But I, I have no idea if I want Tony Pollard to be my my lead running back two, three years down the road. So I I don't know that I want a long term deal with him unless there's something set up where you get him for like two years and you can walk away in the third year for real cheap or something like that.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um, Tony Pollard is just an interesting player. It's going to be a huge year for him because he's always been his big play guy. Um and now you know I've told y'all many times he, he averaged 33 yards a touchdown last year his career average on touchdowns is somewhere in that ballpark which is insane um but now he'll be the focal point of defenses the Zeke won't be the focal point and he'll be the focal point and uh, there's just a little more pressure when you are the guy as opposed to you know sharing the load or people look at you as a second guy and uh, we'll just see how he responds and how he performs yeah we will
0: see we will see it's It's really interesting to see how the Cowboys are putting this together because, you know, the bargain bin type thing and all that. And then you you mentioned the name Zeke. And how about this? So Adam Schefter tweeted out here and we are recording this on Thursday afternoon. And Adam Schefter tweeted out this afternoon that Zeke Elliott has now narrowed his options down to three different teams of where he would like to play in 2023. And he will make his decision by the end of the week. So by the time some of you hear this, he may have signed with his new team. Those three teams he's narrowed it down to, the New York Jets to go play with Aaron Rodgers, I guess. The Cincinnati Bengals, which when he got released, I thought the Bengals made a ton of sense because he could back up Joe Mixon there and that, that just worked. And the third team being the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say traitor because, hey, he, he did it all for us. And, and the Cowboys are the ones that let him go. But the Eagles. You know, man, I think either one of those teams
1: would work. And what I mean is this. The Eagles work, obviously, for him. Oh, y'all got rid of me. Y'all don't think I'm no good. Fine. I'm going to go help join the Eagles and help kick your ass and go to a Super Bowl. Okay, I get that thought process. New York Jets, up-and-coming young team. Uh, they got a really terrific running back coming back. I can split some time with him, share Lowe, load. Got Aaron Rodgers coming in quarterback. They're going to be a contender. They should be a good time. And who doesn't want to live in a Big Apple? Mm-hmm. Um, and then number three, Cincinnati. I got Joe Burrow as the quarterback. Uh, they've proved that they're going to be a good team as long as Joe Burrow's there. They got plenty of receivers. They got Joe Mixon. So again, I can get in, fit in, or get in where I fit in. And who's not going to love a Buckeye like Zeke in Cincinnati? No doubt. Very so, true. I don't think he can go wrong with either one he gets. Oh, just so y'all know, the Jets also play your Dallas Cowboys this year. Uh, so he'd have that opportunity. Um, Cincinnati doesn't, but hey, Again, you're a Buckeye in Ohio. There's probably all sorts of off-the-field money he can make as a, uh, as a prodigal son returning home. So he's in a good spot with the, either one of those choices.
0: Where do you think he'll go? I think he's going to go to Cincinnati. And I say that in a sense because Philadelphia signed Rashad Penny in free agency. If he's healthy right now where he's at in his career, he's got more explosion than Zeke does. You've still got Kenneth Gainwell hanging around. If you're Zeke, do you want to sign with Philly with the idea that if Bijan's there at 10, it makes so much sense for Philly to take him? Now, that being said, to your point, you get Dallas twice a year. You can be like, hey, double birds to you guys. If I've got two games left of old Zeke a year, I'm saving them for the Cowboys. Absolutely. The Jets, Brees Hall's the guy. They drafted him in the second round last year. He is fantastic. He was banged up last year and didn't play much. But when he did play on his 80 attempts, he averaged 5.8 yards an attempt. He is the number one guy, undisputed. And after that, they had Michael Carter a couple years ago in the fourth round, and he led their team in rushing last year. So I don't know that Zeke. He'd have to beat out Michael Carter, who, by the way, we all know that Zeke is a receiving back and receives. Michael Carter was third on the Jets last year in receptions. So that's the guy that they feel really comfortable with using on third downs and stuff like that. So I don't know that Zeke would fit in a sense of it'd be hard pressed for him, I think, to not be the number three back with the Jets. Cincinnati, sure. he's the number two back walking in. All right. Well,
1: that sounds like the spot to be.
0: Yeah. So to me, I mean, it, I don't know. It just depends, I guess, on what his motivation is. But if he still feels like he's got a little something left and wants somebody to pair with, I'd go Cincinnati, like you said. I mean, he, you're back in Ohio. Everybody there would go ballistic that Zeke is playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. He you really probably get number fifteen. Yeah, I mean, whatever he wants to do, he can go, not that they were Buckeye brothers, but let's not forget Joe Burrow was a Buckeye originally as well. You know, So you've got a little something there. And Samaje Pirine is not going back to Cincinnati. He Zeke would be the best option as their number two back, and I think a, a little bit more of an opportunity to do what he did this year in Dallas with a little bit more carries and opportunity to be on the field than he would the other two spots.
1: I feel you on that. I can, I can get down with that.
0: Like, I, I, I mean, I remember when we talked about this when he got released I was like Cincinnati makes all the sense in the world to me because of that. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's other motivations behind it. And maybe there's some money out there, but all things being equal. Plus, if you're playing in Cincinnati, you know, for a fact, you are going to play for a contender, a team that's got a very good chance at another Super Bowl appearance. The Jets, eh, even with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. I don't know. But you got to like your chances in Cincinnati of, of, of making a playoff run and doing something.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've already proven with Burrow they're going to be a factor. They got three terrific receivers. They're in the hunt.
0: So you look at this, the other thing, and and you just sent me this, and this is wild, man, because, again, you got to applaud teams that understand you got a window. The window is now. You got to make the moves to try and make this happen. But this is a report that is surfacing on Twitter now that the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills... And let's see, before I, before I say this, the guy who put this on Twitter, though, is not verified and is some random dude. Well, there you have it. Yeah, so you might have been had because he has 163 followers.
1: Oh, you know what? What's his name?
0: Gucci Lightyear.
1: <laughs> now, I don't know if I did that on purpose. Okay, Man, ma- I did it on purpose, but I thought somebody else did that, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, so no, I haven't seen it from anybody else, So because there's a, a thing on Twitter that the Bills— I never
1: send you, G, G, Gucci Lightfoot.
0: Yeah, the Bills and the Cardinals are trying to work out a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and I was trying to, like, I just saw that, and I was looking at it, I was like, wait a second, is this true? And so I looked at it, I was like, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but it's not by anybody who covers the NFL or anything like that, all so right, I don't know. Right.
1: Well, there you go, because I was looking for something. I was looking—I can't remember. I've been doing a lot, as you can see.
0: Yes. Yes, you have been doing a lot. And, and that's. But notice okay. I sent it to you, but
1: I didn't send it to the masses.
0: <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> People will be like, what are you talking about, dude? What? This isn't true. Exactly. Or maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe somebody is just hoping that it will turn true. I have no idea, man. And now neither do I. Yeah, but I haven't seen that anywhere. So. We'll see. But the Cowboys making it happen, man. I, I, again, as I've said, I said this on our last podcast, I've been really pleased with their offseason. I've really enjoyed what they've been doing and looking forward to seeing the impact that some of these players have. And here we are. We're about a week away from turning the calendar to April. And then all of a sudden, it's hardcore focus on the draft. I mean, Dan Quinn was in Tuscaloosa today viewing Alabama's Pro Day, seeing if there's somebody out there that they want to draft. And You can do a lot worse. I've always said this. Once you get into the mid rounds, you could do a lot worse than just drafting kids that play like on Georgia or Alabama's defenses. Yeah,
1: nothing wrong with that, man.
0: I mean, are they going to turn out? I have no idea. But the way that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban coach defense and run their teams, it's not the learning curve as you jump into the NFL as a fourth or a fifth rounder is not as great as I think it could be from other potential places that you can draft kids.
1: No, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. You can never go wrong with Alabama Alabama guys. Speaking of that, um, your boy DJ Fluker is a busted in the NFL. Looks like he's decided he wants to be a player again. Oh, yeah? Wow. I mean, he he looked like he dropped like 100 pounds and his he's ripped up and cut up. And uh, ready to sign with somebody.
0: That is very interesting. That That's a firmer, former first-round draft pick by the Chargers, if I recall off the top of my head, out of Alabama, like you mentioned, played in the NFL for a few years and was never anything. I mean, he, might, he played for four teams, I think. Well, that's because he had the pedigree. Um, but now nah, he
1: looks, he looks like a Greek guy these days.
0: Okay. Let's see here. Yep. I just pulled him up. Yeah. San Diego with the chargers for four years. I knew, I remember him with the giants. I don't remember him being in the league after that. He played in Seattle for two seasons and then went to Baltimore in 2020. He did not play at all in 2021 or 2022. Yep. Interesting. DJ fluker, mm-hmm. huh? He was at, uh, Oh,
1: here it is. He was at the, uh, Alabama pro day. Okay, the former Ted, Tide Star weighed 403 a year ago, shed close to 70 pounds.
0: Like I said, he looks rocked up. Holy huh? crap, he does look jacked. My oh, God. He, oh, you found it. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, he never
1: looked that good when he was playing. No, we're, we're talking about a guy who's a massive human being
0: who looks like he's got a six-pack right now. He's 6'5", 330 pounds. And, and he's he no fat on him. He says, y'all thought I was done, y'all thought I couldn't get lean and get healthy, y'all thought it was impossible, the only thing impossible is giving up. Oh my gosh, yeah, okay, this is. Okay, uh,
1: now the only thing I'm going to say is, don't bring that shit here, dog. No, like, you, you don't it, want DJ Hooker? No, I'm saying, don't bring me that attitude. Oh, okay, I got you. Like, you did all of that to yourself, so don't now that you <laughs> cut it, start going about y'all, no, it was all you. You decided to be a piece of crap player, and let yourself get out of shape and be an embarrassment. And then you decided, why should I waste all this talent God gave me? Plus, it's hard to find $5 million jobs out there in the street. Let me go see if I can maximize my God given potential. So, and that's fine, but don't, let's, let's not go start blaming it on other folks, bro.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I don't disagree with you. But he does look like a Greek god right now. Yeah, he's, he looks large, and that's the type of guy, because of his pedigree and he played in the NFL a long time, you could do worse than bringing him into camp. Dude. I mean, he, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got a six-pack right now. I mean, seriously, you, you can do worse. There are guys that will be in camp that are worse than him, and if you want some offensive line depth, why not throw him a bone and see if he's got a year or two left in him? Yeah. Because you never know. That's why I don't mind. I'd, I'd bring anybody into camp. You know, hey, great. I don't have to have you on the team. I don't want I don't want to give you a deal where I got any dead cap money. But hey, you know, here's your pay for being in camp. You make it awesome. If not, well, see you later. Yeah, it's been real. Yeah, it's pretty much how it goes. So we continue rolling forth here. And, you know, let's tell you about Freeway Tire Shop, shall we? Because speaking of rolling, you can roll on over to Freeway Tire Shop and, and get your vehicle taken care of. The oil changes Obviously, new tires, all the amazing amount of work that he's done on your fleet of vehicles that Jacques <laughs> owns that he rolls on over there with. But again, it comes down to trust. It comes about believing in the person that you're dropping your car off with to work on it. And that's where Jr. and his crew comes in, because you can trust him. He does the work and he does it the right way.
1: I mean, the thing about Jr. is uh, I was always uh, impressed by the customer service because that was a one. Uh, And he learned that being in the uh, management program over there at Home Depot. But once I started working with him and dealing with him, man, it's the trust factor that got me. It's the trust that you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. And then the trust that uh, he's going to use quality parts to fix your car. Now, this is a big one for me, like it is for most people. And the trust that he'll charge you a fair price. Okay? That doesn't always mean inexpensive. It just means fair. I mean, you got to put a new engine like I had to do in the Challenger. It's going to cost. But it was a fair price. And then, man, you'll stand behind his work. If you can trust a band to stand behind his work and give you a fair price and use quality parts and diagnose what's wrong with your car. If your mechanic is not doing each and every one of those, you need to kick that dude or do that to the curb ASAP. And take your butt right up the street, up 35 north toward Denton. Get off at uh, Commonwealth, go through the light. He's on the right. And just tell him your boys from Jam, has sent you. It'll be one of the best moves you made. And trust us, you can send us a thank you card later
0: like others have done. Make it happen, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his guys, they will get you taken care of at Freeway Tire Shop. Also, of course, and I've mentioned this before, Smokey John's Barbecue, if you go and drop your car off at Freeway Tire Shop, you can get a very affordable Uber because it's like five minutes away from, from Freeway Tire Shop. You can make a day of it. Drop your car off at Freeway. And then go get lunch or dinner or what have you at Smokey John's barbecue over there off Mockingbird, like five minutes away from Freeway Tire Shop. You can roll in and get the jam session bowl that way. And and I I think it makes for some of you that might live a little further out and you're not right smack dab in in central Dallas, you know, make plans to do that. Like, oh, you know what? I am going to go and drop my car off at Freeway and get this stuff done. And then I will go eat lunch so that I have some time and you can hit a couple of really great places, man, because. Smokey John's, that jam session bowl, if you haven't had a chance to try it and you live anywhere remotely close to Dallas, you need to go try it. If you don't, get on a plane and go try it. (laughs) It is to live for now. You get that? It is to live for.
1: Um, It's a macaroni and cheese, a mashed potato base. With your choice out of two out of five smoked meats, I typically go for the sausage and the brisket. And then, man, that's when they go to work. They put all the stuff you find on the loaded baked potato, you know, stuff like the chives, and the the cheese, and the bacon bits, and the sour cream, and the butter, all of that stuff, man. Then they drizzle it with that special Smokey John sauce that it is to live for. Um, You know, the other thing, it's a lot of food, bro. Uh, Two people can eat it easily. If you got a shorty, the three of y'all can devour it. Um, There'll be leftovers if it's just the two of you. It's a good
0: deal all the way around. Go buy Smokey John's and try it out. Yeah, man, make it happen. It's a great time for you. And keep in mind, they made it for you guys. They made the bowl. They named it after the podcast so that everybody who's a part of the Jam Session family can enjoy something together, in a sense, which is really cool. So go support these guys. They're phenomenal people. And the food is fantastic. It's Smoky John's Barbecue. So I want to throw this out here around the block here. I got a couple of things for you. First off, did you see the Dak Prescott tattoo?
1: Yeah, bro. I went all over Instagram and checked that thing out
0: because my God, that is gorgeous.
1: Well, you know, it's like this, bro. Yes, you're right. It is gorgeous. It's uh, I forget the name of the company that does it, but you can find it pretty easily on um, on uh, Instagram. But you know, man, with well, my dude, my dude had been obsessing about getting getting a tat since he was 16, and you gotta wait till you get 18 mm-hmm. to get it legally. Mm-hmm. And as he was getting closer. I was telling him, I said, hey man, if you wanna get a tat, go get a tat. The one thing you cannot do, though, is get a cheap tat. If you're gonna go down that road, go pay the extra price to get quality work because it's art on your body that will last a lifetime. Now, it wasn't too hard to sell because I don't know if you remember, man, I told you a friend of his got a tat on his shoulder that just said humble. Yeah. And I walked up to him, I said, Austin, I'm being real with you, young man. Did you do that with a paperclip? <laughs> wow, is that bad? And he started laughing, he said, no, sir. I said, but one of your homeboys did that. He said, yes, sir. I said, I can tell, bro. Next time, spend the money yeah. and just get it done properly. And so when my dude got attacked, man, I think, I think we gave it to him for his 18th
0: birthday, but it was like $1,200. Yeah, reality of it is, you do not want to pay less than $100 an hour. And nowadays that's that's right. That's actually right. That is exactly right. Nowadays, like, you know, there are artists who charge more than that, depending on the the tattoo, depending on there's a variety of things. You know, you can look at 120, $150 an hour, some tattoo artists, if you kind of get with them and you talk to them, if you're looking at doing a lot of work, They'll lower the cost because they know, okay, this is not somebody who's just coming here to do one tattoo for three hours. This is somebody who wants like 20 hours of work on their body. And, you know, there's just different ways that you can do it. But what's interesting about this one is this is from a tattoo artist named Andres Ortega who Dak apparently had fly in from his shop under Inc. in glendale arizona and this is the same dude that tattooed cd lambs back tat last year and he flew in with a couple of his tattoo artists with three other artists so ortega romero sarahi and tb flew to dallas went to Dak's house and tattooed him at his home it was about 10 hours later because four artists were working at the same time and they completed an entire full leg piece that incorporates the Dallas skyline. I see Daffy Duck on this, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, th- this is an incredible looking piece of art.
1: Not, not what I want to know is um, some of these I can figure out and some of them I, I don't know what the significance is. I thought it was cool that he had poor pop. Whatever the name of the of the trailer park where he grew up in, Piney Tories or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Pine uh, Creek got, Estates. Yeah, Pine Creek Estates. He's got that right in the middle of it, so you get that, and he's got this kind of uh, winged angel Pegasus. I assume that's some kind of symbolic thing for his mom and his brother, uh, with the Dallas skyline. I mean, it was sad, uh, dude. If you if you the tattoos, it was it was nice. And I wondered how painful it was, and and how long can you before you can take a shower and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah it usually takes a while I mean four artists working at once to knock out a a I mean because again you're talking about that's probably a if one guy is doing that I, I would imagine that's a 20 plus hour tattoo over the course of several sessions but he's got downtown Dallas a Pegasus in honor of his late mother Peggy Prescott a moose in honor of his late brother Jace the Air Jordan Jumpman logo a Kobe Bryant Mamba logo an image of Muhammad Ali poker cards a Zippo lighter with Marilyn Monroe's image on the front Daffy Duck pointing to the sky like Dak does after scoring a touchdown. An image of a black hand shaking hands with a white hand. And a sign that reads, as we mentioned, Pine Creek Estates. And this thing, I mean, this is a beautiful tattoo, man. How much you figure that costs? For a full leg tattoo, I would guess that that is, man, four artists working at once. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was close to $10,000.
1: Okay. That's about right.
0: Somewhere in that neighborhood. So it's interesting. So I'm getting a tattoo next Friday on March oh, 31st. I'm beginning the do process. T- do tell. Yeah. So this will or be breaking news. Well, I mean, people are going to see it anyway. I mean, I probably post pictures of it or whatever, but my mom is probably just going, oh no. And the lady friend's mom, who knows? But so I am getting a forearm sleeve on my right forearm that will be...
1: forearm sleeve.
0: Yeah, I've wanted to get this done for a while now. And I finally found a guy here that I want to work with. And so in the style of American traditional, I'm getting an old school microphone on the inside of the forearm. And then the rest of the forearm and the microphone will be wrapped and surrounded by the state flowers of the five states that I've lived in.
1: I like that. How about that?
0: Yeah, so I went... I went last week for my consultation and we kind of mapped it out and talked about it. And he took some measurements on my arm and everything. And then next Friday on the 31st, I'll go as soon as I get done with the show and we'll see. He thinks it's probably going to be a two session thing. So I'll probably do. I told him I was willing to sit for as long as I need to, but he said, we'll just have to see because there's going to be like a lot of line work and whatnot. And it's just one guy. It's not, it's not four guys working on me at once. So there's a good chance this is probably i would guess maybe an eight hour tattoo and if that's the case it'll be two sessions but i I, I told him you know six hours would be cool And, and he said we'll have to see how it goes but we may just break it up so we'll see now why was now the right time um i finally was able to save up enough to be able to pay for the type of work that i want to get so that has the most to do with it and so we were looking at things and and have the a little bit to put towards that, that I've been trying to figure out how, because this is something I knew I wanted to have done for the last few years. It's just, you know, like you said, high quality work is not cheap. And anytime you had some extra money, you know, oh, this needs to be done or that needs to be done. So tax returns coming back and all that. So I was like, you know what, technically this is my money. So I'm going to use a portion of that to get this taken care of and knocked out. And then I, I told him there's some other stuff that I'm curious to do as well. And this is, I had a really good experience in my consultation with them. So I was like, I have some other ideas, you know, for the future and working on different stuff. He's like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. So we'll see.
1: All right. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. But I'm stoked. I can't wait. It's going to be it's gonna be very interesting. And so all the people that hate tattoos are rolling their eyes and think it's dumb. And those of you uh, should know, I just don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it goes back to the old thing. Like I'll never forget this. I will never forget. This. Well, maybe if I ever get old and, and but I, I mean, so the last tattoo I got is my heady Topper tattoo that I got when you and I were doing, well, no, this is before we started doing the show, I think. But I was working at ESPN radio And remember, we used to do that thing every year that they did with ESPN where we went out to that, whatever that place was called. I can't remember the name of it. The the annual like event broadcasting on location from that bowling alley, like the listener thing every year.
1: Pin, pin stack.
0: Yeah. Pin stack. And it was like the cheapest knockoff of ticket stock that could possibly be done. But they were like, oh, well, we have to do something. So one year they had the sports center anchor, John Anderson, that they had paid to come out and make an appearance. Right. So I'm doing a round table and it's, it's John Anderson. I know Steve Dennis was up there with me, me. And I can't remember who else was on this round table and we're all talking. And Steve, at one point I I say something and Steve just like slaps my arm and it it, it was cooler out. So I had it covered up and you couldn't tell. And I was like, ah, he's like, what the heck's wrong with you? I was like, I just got a tattoo yesterday and it's still really sensitive. And John Anderson goes, you got a tattoo. He's like, well, you'll regret that in 30 years. And I, I, I just looked at him like, no, I won't. And he goes, well, you're young. We'll see. And I was like, OK, so you think I'm younger than I am one. But also, what a dick thing to say to somebody you don't even know. Yeah. I was like, you have no idea my thought process behind this. I've thought out all of my tattoos for many years and I have all kinds of thoughts like I don't just on a whim decide, hey, I think I'm going to go pound some tequila and get tatted up.
1: Now, man, that sounds like uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about Quinn Ewers being taken more seriously because he's got a different haircut. Yeah, like, oh, shut up. Get yep. off my lawn, old man.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's—I don't know—that like, I—I I, I enjoy tattoos. I do think it's interesting that there still seems to be somewhat of a stigma about that, but it's one of those things that, uh, I, to me, I, I just—I don't get it. I mean, it's—it's it's people. I don't know. Like I've always said, I, I I would rather invest on getting art on me than invest in putting art on my wall that I might walk past every so often. Yeah, that's just know, me. That's just my thing. You
1: know. Yeah, there's uh, there's a place for both of. Them. I mean, I've been for thinking sure. about getting. I've been thinking about getting one again. And uh, I don't know if I told you, but you know, my son's already got three. Nice. Like he he got the one that I gave him for his uh, for Christmas and. Dude, probably about a month later, he had his other one. And I was like, where did, where, where did that come from? And then uh, then he said, oh, and then, then about two months later, he said, oh, I forgot to show you this one. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, okay. So this, this is kind of like your deal, huh? He's like, yeah. And I was like, all right.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you get somebody that you can work with, especially like there's some other things, like I told this dude, like you can go back and then it's like, okay, well, how about can I pop in like in a couple of weeks and just do something right here for like an hour? He's like, yeah. You know, and then that way, like once you get that relationship established, you've got somebody you can work with that does really high quality work that you can get in and see, and you're not breaking the bank, so to speak, because I know that you're going to be a regular customer and that it's something that you both have a passion for. So I've been looking for somebody like that. So I'm glad I met this dude because I really enjoy what he does. So yeah, that'll be wild, man. I've got eight days left with my forearm the way that it has looked most of my life.
1: All right. Well, uh, is your forearm? I can't remember, bro. I'm sorry. Is your forearm naked right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything okay. on my forearms. And it's you going you going wrist to elbow. Yeah, I'm going wrist to elbow, and then the elbow the elbow thing will be interesting because he was talking about doing the actual elbow will probably be left blank until the forearm completely heals because he was saying that doing. Most people get really simplistic stuff on their elbow because it's a really hard thing to tattoo. But he has an idea for putting a flower there that he said, like just coming in and doing just just that after everything else is healed completely would be the way to go because that's such a weird area to tattoo and it can be really uncomfortable. So that'll probably be something like down the road, like in a couple of months that I end up getting. But it'll be a full like, you know, yeah, wrist to elbow up into my other tattoos on my upper arm.
1: Cool, cool,
0: cool. Looking forward to it. The other thing that I gotta throw out, and I, I I need everybody to know this, and I get that this is not necessarily a new movie, but we have been making our way through some of those, like we saw we saw all the best picture nominees for the Oscars, except for our Avatar, but now we've been going back and watching like some of the actor and actress nominees and whatnot just for fun. Well, There is a movie that Netflix put out, and it came out back in September of last year called Blonde, which is a American. It's like a biopic, but it's a fictionalized version with some truth mixed in on the life of Marilyn Monroe. Right, right, right. The actress who plays Marilyn Monroe, Anna de Armas, who has been in several different things, was nominated for Best Actress for this role. And I, I got to tell you this. I don't know that I've ever seen a better role in a worse movie than this. Okay. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Jeez, It's trash. It's horrible. I, I, I Like my brother said that they like stopped watching it like 30 minutes into it. I've heard other people say that. She's incredible. She is riveting. She's everything that I think in our minds we think Marilyn Monroe was. Gets the voice right. Her expressions of emotion. She's it, It's a beautiful performance. But the movie is so just god-awful bad. I was ready to walk away from it 45 minutes into it. Okay, why is it so bad? Super clunky. They switch from color to black and white all the time. You have no idea what time period you're in in her life. You don't know. Like, she she just, this is no joke. They went from one scene to the next scene. She's having a threesome with these two guys. No clue who either one of them is. Now, after they have this gratuitous threesome sex scene that's shot all weird and wonky, like five minutes later, they're all sitting around and they finally explain who they are. And you're like, okay, okay. I mean, there's so many times where she it's like whoever put this movie together, just assume that when you watch it, you know, you already know everything about Marilyn Monroe. So none of this needs explanation. I definitely don't want to ever, ever want to do that. And I was just sitting there going, what what part of it? What, OK, so what happens now? They jump around. They would show that here's something that Marilyn's doing. You're Like, OK, is this happening now? Is this there was no timeline to it? They jump around her career. They completely ignore her first husband and go right into Joe DiMaggio, who you don't even realize is Joe DiMaggio. I mean, I did because he said something like, oh, I was a, a ball player. But you know, it, like, if you didn't know that she was married to Joe DiMaggio and that he played for the Yankees, you'd be like, well, who the hell is this guy? Jeez. I mean, it was just, it, it's, the direction choices on this were atrocious. I, literally one of the worst movies I've ever seen. That's a uh, letting that. As a matter of fact, we were watching it and I was so out on the movie that I went and had a phone conversation for 30 minutes in a different room and then came back and finished it. And we didn't even pause it. Wow. I mean, and and she agrees. She's like, God, that movie was horrible. I was like, yep, that is. And again, it's like I said, for the performance that she gives, which is very well deserving of an Oscar nomination, I literally can't recall seeing such a performance like that in a movie that was so scatterbrained and just bad. It's interesting you phrase it like that because that's uh, it's just interesting. It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's one point. And, and so, for instance, like some of this is just made up. They don't know if it happened to Marilyn or not. So they they show an abortion scene in this of her going and, and trying to have an abortion because she got pregnant from one of the dudes in the threesome or some crap. And so, you know, you don't really realize what's going on. She's just all of a sudden laying on a table and they're going to do this to her. And then at the end. When she ends up getting pregnant Because her her third husband was was the playwright Arthur Miller And her and Arthur Miller were trying to have a kid And she's pregnant And the fetus in her womb starts talking to her (laughs) And you're just like "What What is going on? What are you people doing? And the baby's like Please don't get rid of me this time She's like what? No, I wouldn't do that to you But you already did I mean it's just like What are we doing? Wow I mean, I, I, it's just, just it was trash. It, it's trash. I don't know. I mean, after watching Brendan Fraser in a movie that was depressing but was, I, was very, very good in his performance and then watching her performance, which is really, really good, I'm just like, my God. Like, you just wish you could cut out all the other crap in this movie, show me 30 minutes of what she did and I would be like, yep, she's got it. That's awesome. <laughs> For sure. So don't waste your time if anybody... If anybody was thinking that or came across that, that movie, it's just god-awful. It's horrible. It's really, really bad. Well, so, you
1: convince me. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm riding with you.
0: Stay away from it. I want everybody to know, do not watch the movie Blonde. It is trash. Unless you really like lots of nudity. Oh. Then maybe that's your thing, because there's quite a bit of that in this. And sometimes for what seems like no reason. You're just like, What what is this? What's happening right now? I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, man, that was that was an experience that I don't want to ever have again. That's one of those where you sit here and you, you go, Man, fortunately she was as good as she was in it because otherwise you'd sit here and the movie's two hours and forty minutes long. That's a long movie right there, bro. So that bad of a movie for that long is just way too, way too much for anybody to have to deal with. Jeez. So the other thing that that we need to get into here as we move this along is apparently you're pissed off, and (laughs) before we started recording, like, okay, you know the Mavs have pissed me off, and I was like, wow, okay, all right. I so, like, I mean, God, you know, they lost to the Golden State. You don't have to be that upset about it, but I, you know, I, I get your point. So why are you so pissed off at the Mavs? You know, I didn't watch the game last
1: night, all right? So, but I knew there it was going on. So I got up this morning on my way to the gym. I'm I'm in the sauna. I'm reading uh, the story on the phone, and I'm, I've heard about this controversial call. Okay, wow, it must have been at the last second, at the last minute. That's why they lost. Ah, oh, it blows. Cubans filing a protest. Ah, oh, okay. And I find out it's at the end of the third quarter. And yes, Golden State got a bucket they probably shouldn't have had. And they gave him a three point lead the fuck out of here, man. This is probably the only thing I don't like about the Mavericks organization. And it starts at the top. I like Mark Cuban personally. Mark Cuban is a whiner, his best player, who I think is fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I'm not breaking any news saying he's one of the top players in the NBA. He's a whiner. And what happens is we have all that whining at the top. Then your team becomes a whiny team, bro. And acting like, I don't know, man. I don't want to say it. I'm going to try not to say it. But, dude, you're whining about a bucket that, that they got that they shouldn't have got at the end of the third quarter that made it 90 to 87. You took the lead three times in the fourth quarter, including, one with less than, including a lead with less than two minutes left that bucket essentially had zero to do with you losing. So instead of focusing on why you lost and how you need to pull your head out your butt and figure out a way to win some games down the stretch to even make the playoffs, they're whining and exerting energy about something that's not going to change and was really inconsequential to whether they won or lost. It's driving me nuts, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like I was telling you, I, that is, I don't know that I've ever seen that ever in the NBA. It's, how that even happens, I don't understand and I've read a couple of things on it. There's some thought that the, the they did signal it was Golden State's ball and somehow the Mavs missed it. But, it, and I know that this is an elementary where the, it's not the ref's job to be like, oh, this is really weird. All the Mavs are standing down there and nobody is down here. But there was obviously some sort of a miscommunication. I'll be curious to see what the league ends up saying about this because they filed that official appeal. And I have no idea, like Mark Cuban posted that whole explanation on this you know and there's video of Jason Kidd saying you told us it was our ball and so it seems like everybody was super confused about what the hell happened here but Cuban says that the refs called it as Mavs ball the announcer announced it was Mavs ball then there was a timeout and during the timeout the official changed the call and never told us Then when they saw us line up as if it were our ball, he just gave the ball to the Warriors without saying a word to us, and they get the easy basket. And of course, when you go down and eventually lose by two points, would it have mattered? Who knows at that time? But it was just really, really weird when all of the evidence that that you get from the videos and stuff seemed to point to the Mavs, literally believed it was their ball and didn't know what the hell was happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's clear that there was some kind of weird circumstance going on. Um, but, you know, officials make mistakes every game. They're, why do we have the two, last two-minute report, bro? Because they make mistakes all the time, and they make those mistakes at critical junctures of the game where it really is determining whether you win or lose. That play didn't determine whether they won or lost, and so to me, I mean, I guess you want to make a point of emphasis of it. You want it on the record. You want the record to show that they screwed up. That's cool, man, but there's way too much whining about that play to me in a game where you're playing a team that i think the warriors had eight wins on the road and hadn't won more than two in a row on the road in forever and then you find out a way to drop it you know there was a period of stretch of time and i can't remember the years where i said you know what the cowboys do bro they find some incredibly creative ways to lose that to me is your dallas mavericks this year they just find these incredible interesting and Uh, intriguing, provocative ways to lose. And they've blown so many games that they should have won earlier in the season. Uh, If we probably went back and looked, man, there's probably easily seven to ten games that they blew, Um, either through, you know, making missing 10 to 12 free throws or 10 to 15 free throws or big leads of, uh, you know, more than 15 points that they blew and eventually lost the game. And you know, man, they've just—they've just been so sloppy with the win-loss column that they're now the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah, they are, and and
0: now it's this is tough, man. You got nine games left. You're thirty-six and thirty-seven. You are a game under five hundred. You are in ninth place. You are tied record-wise with the Lakers, but you own the tiebreaker over them, and you are a half game ahead of the Utah Jazz and a half game ahead of the Pelicans for eleventh and twelfth. And I mean, you needed that you, you, They had to beat Golden State You needed that Because it would have given them the tiebreaker yes. mm-hmm. This well, is very dangerous for the Mavs And I'm talking very dangerous in a sense The idea of them not even Making the playoffs I'm, I'm not talking about the play-in I'm talking about like missing completely is very real And that would be a disaster I don't know how you
1: explain that one away uh, What do you think about the job Jason Kidd's done this year?
0: You know, I was talking to somebody about that oddly enough earlier today. Because oh, I know why. Because today, March twenty third is Jason Kidd's birthday, and I I don't know what to think of it. it. It it's it's obviously a disappointment. This team was supposed to be better than this. Luca's missed some time. They made the move to get Kyrie. I I just don't. I don't know what to think of it. That's a good question. I don't know what to think. I I don't. It's it, it's almost. I mean, if you fail to make the playoffs, I don't care what else would happen. That's on you. And and defensively, they're not what they were. It feels like no matter what happens, Luka still has this unbelievable whiny ass problem of bitching at the refs nonstop constantly that I thought at some point he would grow out of. He would have a better understanding of he would. I don't even know what the, the thing of it is that there would be a change in him of, okay, I'm in year five now and and i realize i can't be like this even though i get heated in the moment i've got to learn how to control this that that he hasn't learned yet that i think hurts them sometimes but i don't know yeah that's a good question
1: yeah i don't either. i'm still formulating an opinion i don't think he's done a good job it's a matter of how bad a job he's done
0: they miss the playoffs and it's a god-awful piss poor trash job that quite honestly might just get him fired Unless Luca's like, I'm, an, you can't fire him.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Now you know, Cuban doesn't is not really a reactionary guy when it comes to hiring and firing coaches, and so you may have some more leeway there. But you definitely be on the hot seat next year. Because, and you're right in terms of it. Really depends on Luca. You know, he's at that point in his career where he's running the franchise. So if he thinks you're good, then you're good no matter what. And if he thinks you suck, then you suck no matter what.
0: Yeah, pretty much, man. But, I mean, this is... I just can't believe we're talking about a Mavericks team that at this point in the season is a game under 500 and is in a serious threat to completely miss the playoffs. Fortunately, they get back-to-back games with Charlotte and then Indiana, and none of those teams are good. Then they got to play Philadelphia, Miami, and Atlanta. But, man, like we said last podcast... You got to start winning some damn games. You got to stack wins.
1: Yeah, I think what are they, four and eleven? Uh, since they made the the Kyrie trade.
0: Yeah, which is insane. I mean, they they and granted, I don't even know how many times Luka and Kyrie have played together, but it, I,
1: think, I think I think nine, but they're only three and six in those games. They're four and five in the other ones.
0: I mean, it's one of those things. You look at it last night. Okay, well. No Kyrie, Luka goes for 30, had 17 assists and seven rebounds. And then it's obvious that Jaden Hardy's got a little something. He was fantastic, but you just can't lose that game, man. You cannot lose that game. And they can't lose. You can't lose either of these games coming up to Charlotte. And I know they're back to back. One's at home, one's on the road. Charlotte's trash. You should beat them. Indiana's trash. You should beat them. Win these next three. Because you're a better team than the two teams that you're going to play in the next three games.
1: No, you're right. They are. Um, and now, we say that, but hell, didn't they just lose to
0: Indiana a couple weeks ago at the creed? Yeah, yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those Philadelphia is probably better than you. Miami, that we'll see. Atlanta, you and Atlanta are similar. Go beat Atlanta. I mean, win four out of these next six games.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. I just, you know, I have some, I have some sympathy for them because they have not been able to get Kyrie and and Luka together, but I don't have, but that's, that's, um, what do you call it? It evens out because of what I just said. They've blown so many games early in the year that they've lost their, um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, they've lost their benefit of the doubt. They, You know, they just are what they are.
0: Yeah. I, at the end of the day, you're right. But I would just be, I mean, I got to tell you, I will be absolutely floored. It, I never, ever thought they would miss the playoffs with Luka Doncic on this team.
1: No, I'm, I'm going to assume that they still figure out a way to get it done. That's I just, what I'm going to assume. I hope so. They
0: ain't making it easy. You know, the other thing of this is the Dallas stars. When you look at teams and the stars are going to make the playoffs. I mean, this is a team, they've got 11 games left. They've got 90 points. They still continue to lead the central division. Although they've fallen off in the conference a little bit behind the Knights and the Kings. They're still one of those teams though. The stars who continue to get it done. That can win the Stanley cup, believe it or not. And, and, it's crazy to think that you know you got a guy in, in Jason Robertson who is one point away from ninety points on the season, forty one goals. Jamie Benn got another thirty goal season this year. Rope Hintz has a 30 goal season. They're a really good team that's a lot of fun to watch, and, and I'm glad that playoff hockey is coming back around and they're they're for sure going to be a part of that, which will be nice, but the Mavs man' it's just it's, it's so wild that the Mavs have struggled the way that they have struggled. And they just have not been able to figure out a way to put it all together. But like you said, I mean, part of it because of health, which is frustrating. But I don't know. Maybe the Mavs are one of those teams. If you could just get into the playoffs and you're healthy, maybe you look at it. Then you're like, oh, my God, healthy Kyrie and Luka together are are unstoppable.
1: Well, they get get a chance to win. Uh, You said something interesting earlier that I've been noticing. And I actually looked him up the other day. Uh, That Hardy dude is going to be a future star.
0: Yeah, he's the next Brunson
1: um and here's the thing it's uh not everybody can score in the nba guys can play defense some guys rebound this dude is like two years out of high school dropping 20 point games like it's a regular deal now his field goal percentage is not as great just yet but it's clear that he's a what he's a scorer you know now i don't know how efficient he'll be but he's a guy who can put the ball in the bucket and there's always a space for those guys in the NBA. And if you look at his pedigree, you know, second round pick, thirty-seven years, thirty-seventh pick, overall, he's a future star, bro. He is. You're exactly right. Um, you know what? I, I'm gonna say this about Jason Kidd. They have not won enough games, but somehow, uh, Josh Green looks like a real player. And Jalen Hardy looks like a real player. And I'll give Jason Kidd credit for those guys.
0: Yeah, and, and that's going to be nice. Unfortunately, you, you almost have to ask more from those guys right now than maybe you were supposedly going to do. But, you know, Jaden Hardy, when they drafted him, I was like, okay. It's not going to be, I didn't think, a first-year essentially replacement for Uh, Jalen Brunson when when Brunson bounced but he's shown some flashes that he has that type of thing where I think he can impact games the way that that Jalen Brunson did obviously he's not on that level right now but that's kind of like the disconnect of man if if you could fast forward this dude a year or two he can be that role that Jalen Brunson played problem is you kind of need him to be that right now
1: no i get that man um i don't know if he's ready to do that right now right i mean jalen brunson wasn't ready to do it in year two and he'd had a decorated uh college career let alone a guy coming straight from high schools uh but you know man i think sometimes you can see talent he's got amazing talent and he's got the right guy in terms of kid who understands how to use talent yeah, especially with young guys and how to maximize it. And so I think it's going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years and, um, you know, see where he settles in as a player, whether he becomes a star, a superstar, or just a really good player.
0: Yeah. And I mean, keep in mind, this is a 20 year old dude who didn't play in college, who went from high school to the G League and turned down. Yeah. I mean, he could have gone anywhere. He, he could have gone to Kentucky, UCLA. I mean, you name it. He could have gone whatever he wanted. And he decided not to play in college and chose the G League over playing major college basketball so i i think the ceiling is very very high with him very very high oh no it's incredibly high bro which is nice unfortunately that ceiling the Mavs need them right now and and it's just been they're insanely frustrating to watch and granted i haven't gotten to see them a lot but when i have gotten opportunities to see them they're just frustrating as hell to watch
1: no i'm gonna I'm give you two points for that yeah you're exactly right
0: so we shall see what happens. You never know over the weekend. I mean, coming up next time we talk, it'll, we'll, we'll have a better idea who's going to the Final Four with Sweet 16 games on Thursday and Friday and the Elite Eight coming up.
1: Well, let me ask you this, since we dipped into college basketball. Should the uh, should the Horns hire Rodney Terry?
0: I think, I, yes, I think so. Now, I will, I will say this because I don't know anything about his recruiting prowess. All coaches on a staff recruit. So even with Chris Beard there, Rodney Terry being there, he helped recruit the guys that are currently on this team. I just think it's hard to walk away from a guy who, for the first time in 15 years, got you out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. You know, Rick Barnes couldn't do it for years and years towards the end of his tenure at Texas. Shaka Smart never did it. Chris Beard only got one year to do it. He didn't do it. And the fact that Rodney Terry did it, I, that, that's telling to me. The guy can coach, obviously.
1: Yeah, although... I'm just saying. In seven years at Fresno State, he didn't do anything, basically. You know, not a whole lot. Three years at uh, UTEP, he didn't do a whole lot. And so if I were playing devil's advocate, because you said something very interesting. Is he really a head coach? And can he keep you at at the level that Chris Beard was taking you? Or is he a guy who had a great run because there's nothing in his resume that says he can be, he can be as a head coach, what he's doing right now.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's where it gets so tricky. You know I mean? He's, he's been, cause he was an assistant at Texas for years before this stint with Chris Beard and, and, you know, he finally got that opportunity to go. I forget where he went for a few years before UTEP, but Fresno. Yeah, that's right, Fresno State. Years. And so it's one of those things where, to your point, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's one of those guys who is Wade Phillips, so to speak, who is a very, very good high-level assistant, but just for whatever reason is not quite that head coach.
1: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying it's, um, it's an interesting question. because you know, most folks are like, oh, look at what they're doing. They should just hire him. But as as a friend of mine said, is this an emotional decision or is this a decision what's best for the long-term future of the program?
0: See, and that's the point of it where I think one of the reasons why maybe Texas hasn't made a move yet, the long-term benefit of the program. But then I look at it and go, okay, well, where are you going? Is there somebody out there around the country who would move the needle you know, because Chris Beard, obviously, when that when that was going to be a possibility, like, oh, my God, you have a chance to go get Chris Beard. Hell, yeah, go get Chris Beard. Right, right, right. You know, and I, I don't know what else the answer would be. I, I, I don't know who it would be. Like, Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Well, why would he leave Houston? They're about to make it to the Big 12, where his path to success is going to be way easier, much like it is in the AAC now. I mean, hell, it's going to be easier in the Big 12, even with Kansas and Baylor hanging around. Texas is leaving, going to the SEC with Oklahoma, obviously, does that move the needle where somebody wants to go coach in a basketball conference like the SEC? Like, who is it that's out there that has that type of cachet to him, so to speak? Not a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know who it is, man.
1: Like, I was looking at his record, uh, his coaching record. In his last three years at Fresno State, 25-10, and 20-13, 21 and 11 and that got him the job at UTEP 8 and 21 17 and 15 12 and 12 fired he's been a good coach
0: but you know there's been nothing outstanding yeah I mean that's the thing you know that's the thing I, I just I don't know and then you look around and, and is there a way that you go out and you get you know Brian Dutcher maybe that the head coach at San Diego State but that okay well that dude's 63 years old is he really the know. future probably not I would say Nah. No, I'd say you're right. No. You know, so you look at a guy like that. And and so you because you see this a lot with coaches that have that success, that are able to take a team, you know, and so do you go for a guy like a Dusty May, who's the head coach at Florida Atlantic? He's 46 years old, obviously has had some success. I mean, Florida Atlantic is a very good basketball team and has is 33 and three this season. But again, just sticking with that guy this is a guy who is now in his fifth year at florida atlantic and they're just now getting into the ncaa tournament for the first time mm, 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 mm. so i don't know i don't know what the answer for texas is because the chris beard hire was obvious i mean it was like oh just go get chris beard right 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 and that made so much sense and now i don't know where you go i don't know what the move would be to pull somebody from another program. Where Texas, where Texas would, would move the needle enough for them to pull them away from, you know, like a Baylor or a TCU or something like that. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, he may get it. And I'm not saying he shouldn't get it. I was just saying there's some
0: questions around him. It's probably the reason why he probably hadn't gotten a chit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where, I don't know, man. Like, like, do you just go and try to money whip a guy like a Jamie Dixon to leave TCU? Go like, hey, come coach in the SEC. He's like, well, I've been at TCU for what, seven, eight years now?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't even like the idea of money whipping Jamie Dixon. He's just a guy to me. So I. I, I oh, uh, you know what you can go do? Here's what you can go do. If you want to, if you want to money whip somebody, uh, go money whip Jay Wright. Okay,
0: I could that's buy into Jay White. Wright.
1: Hey, he's had a year off now. Hey, juice is flowing. I know you're an East Coast guy, but hey, former Villanova coach. But hey,
0: yeah. I mean, this is a uh, dude that's to- won a couple of championships. Yeah, why not? Come to Texas,
1: experience, uh, you know, uh, salsa and tortilla chips. And, uh, you know, we'll pay you whatever whatever they're paying you at Villanova. We'll triple it. We'll pay you like a football coach.
0: Yeah. I I mean, he's only 61 years old. You know, you could probably get a few more years out of a guy like that. See, the problem for Texas is they were fairly, they were good, but largely irrelevant
1: good but largely irrelevant because they made the tournament but never a threat Uh, but when you add Chris Beard they're becoming relevant and they're relevant now with their run now and so you have to take advantage of that momentum and that opportunity.
0: Yeah this is going to be very interesting to see because your next coach is the coach that takes this team into the SEC which is quickly becoming I mean, keep in mind, the SEC has three teams in the Sweet 16 this year, and you look at some of the schools in the SEC. It used to be it was Kentucky and everybody else was an afterthought. Every once in a while, Arkansas might do something. You know, but you look at what Alabama's doing now, what Bruce Pearl's doing at Auburn. You've got, obviously, Kentucky, who's going to be the blue blood. Of course, Arkansas still hanging around and some of these other programs like Tennessee that's coming along a little bit with Rick Barnes, who can always flare up and do something. You know, there's some depth to this conference now in basketball, not just football. It's going to be interesting. There's a really interesting thing to see what Texas decides to do here. No, well, let's see. You're right. It will be interesting, whatever they decide. And what do you do? What if he goes to the final four? What if they win the national championship with Rodney Terry? Don't you have to make him the coach after that? Well, if he gets to the Final Four, you're going to have
1: to make him the coach. That's if the thing. The,
0: if he gets to the Elite Eight, you probably have to make him the coach. See, and that's he the, the thing because I, I, I expect Texas is really good. If, if, if it's Texas and Houston, the Elite Eight, that is going to be a brawl. Hmm.
1: Could be a really good
0: one. We shall see. We'll see what happens this weekend. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Appreciate you guys hanging with us all week, and we will talk to you again very soon thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course you can also find us on twitter at McMatt radio and at jjt underscore journalist our podcast is sponsored by greening law a personal injury law firm in dallas texas greening law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal give them a call at 972-934-8900 greening law office dallas texas